What's up, pod people? This is Billy Corbin, and when I'm not directing 30 for 30s, I'm chilling here in the sun in Miami listening to these guys in New York freeze their asses off on the Hoops in the Sun radio show. of the Hoops in the Sun radio show here on Block Talk Radio and HitsRadioShow.com. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at CruzR83, C-R-U-Z-R, as well as Hits Radio Show on Twitter. You can hear all episodes on HitsRadioShow.com, BlogTalkRadio.com, backslash Hits Radio Show, also on Stitcher and on iTunes. Download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We are, I believe, episode number 179 for the Hits Radio Show, and we've been doing this since 2010. <clears throat> and we are currently on the road to episode number 200. We are 179 right now. And we would love for episode number 200 to be so special. Um, That's the plan. We don't know what's going to happen for that episode. We don't know who's going to be on for the episode. But once we know, we will let the people out there know as well. On the website, on the social media platforms. But we are 21 shows away from episode number 200. Lots of great guests. Lots of great calls, lots of great conversations, and I am happy and, and, and I'm proud and I'm thrilled to be doing number 179 um, for myself and the whole Hoops in the Sun and the whole Hoops in the Sun radio family. Joe Cruz, my brother Bobby C., Uncle G. Stacks, and of course myself, Randy Cruz. Uh, if you've been listening since day one, we thank you, we appreciate you. If you've been listening since you know, maybe like a year ago or so. We also thank you and appreciate you. If you're a new listener, we thank you as well. So, again, you can find each and every episode that you may have missed on HitsRadioShow.com, on BlogTalkRadio.com, backslash HitsRadioShow, also on iTunes and on Stitcher. If you're listening right now and want to become a sponsor of the show, of this show and the Cruise Control Podcast, you can email us at hoopsradio at gmail.com. Again, if you want to become a sponsor of the show and the Cruise Control Podcast, you can email us at hoopsradio at gmail.com. The number to call in tonight is 646-716-7474, Tonight, two great guests. I got my man Arden Franklin, the host of Arden Sports Talk, in about two minutes. Got some NBA, some NFL stuff to chat with him about at about 8.30, 8.45. No, 8.30, 8.35. 
Jared Greenberg from NBA TV, anchor on the network, also does Sirius XM NBA Radio. <clears throat> Going to be joining the program at around 8.30, 8.35. It is Thursday night, January 15th, 2015, here live in New York City. And, you know, lots of uh, NBA stuff to talk about the last three days. Just to wrap it up real quick, the last three days, We've been doing the Cruise Control podcast here on Blog Talk Radio, and it's been 100% wrestling-themed. So if you haven't heard it, it's on the website. Go check it out. Go download it. Go hear it. Stitcher, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Hits Radio Show, the last three Cruise Control podcast episodes, all about wrestling, some great guests, Graham Matthews, the host of Wrestle Rant Radio and does some work with Bleacher Report. Also, Donald Donald Wood, who was on last night, the host of Ring Rust Radio, and also does work for Bleacher Report. So if you're a big-time wrestling fan, wrestling aficionado, go hear those podcasts. And on Monday, this past Monday, I did one by myself talking about just the overall legacy of Macho Man Randy Savage finally getting into the WWE Hall of Fame. So check that out whenever you can. So now we are on the Hits Radio Show. So we're going to bring everything back to an NBA kind of theme show. So without further ado, my man Arden Franklin, the host of Arden Sports Talk. You can follow Danny. him on Twitter Danny. at Arden Sports Talk on Twitter. on Twitter. What's up, my man? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I can't complain. What about yourself? Um, doing good besides the cold. Um and besides besides my Knicks losing again in a different country. Um I'm all good, man. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you on that, man. I hear you. Of course in another country they decide to take a uh, another L, you know, but it is what it is. It's crazy, man. You know what's so funny? I, I, I told myself I'm going to have you on, and I'm not going to talk about them or ask one question. I'm going <laughs> to try to hold myself to that because I know you're a big-time Cleveland fan. You're a Cavs fan. Yeah, man. You're, you're yeah. a Colts fan. So we got That's a lot right. to talk about with you. Big weekend coming up. Uh, big-time weekend. Big-time weekend, man. And you know what's so funny? I picked, <clears throat> I picked the Colts to mm-hmm. beat Denver. And I would, I was just in that mode where you know what I, I, I want to see as a fan. I want to see something new. I want to see the Colts get over the hump uh, against mm-hmm. Peyton Manning in Denver. I want to see Andrew Luck against Tom Brady. And it, to me, as a fan, I was like, wow, man. I mean, on on the flip side, people could say, well, it might be a wrap for Peyton Manning, but on the flip side, it's a new beginning for Andrew Luck and the Colts. So before I get to that, um, I want to ask you. What in the world is up with your Cleveland Cavaliers, man? Oh, man, I guess that's the question in the basketball world these days. It's going on with Absolutely. the Cavaliers. But it's a lot of weird stuff going on with this team. And so many people feel this has knowledge and information regardless if it's false or not. But the biggest thing I've always said about the Cavs is these guys together, from LeBron to everybody down as a cohesive unit, well, as a non-cohesive unit, they don't know how to take everybody's best shot. That's really the biggest thing, and it's really been, you know, seen on multiple occasions and multiple games, regardless if it was against a good team or, or a bad team. And it's something where I feel as if they really haven't 
embraced the the situation that they're in along with the circumstances that you got to understand, like, you know, for guys like Kyrie and Kevin Love, they, they I, I like to call guys like that league pass treats because all their uses playing on league pass, they're not on national television, and they're not at the point where, even though, yes, they're good and we know who they are, they're not used to guys looking at them all of a sudden and saying, hey, if I go at you and do my thing, I'm going to make a name for myself. A lot of guys on that team, they're not used to that. And, you know, even with David Black, you know, this is a dude who come over from Europe, didn't play, didn't play or coach in the league. I'm pretty sure there's even coaches out there that are saying, hey, I'm like the old I'll coach this guy. So is this a team that really hasn't embraced the situation there and they're not used to taking everybody's best shot on a night-in and night-out basis. And they really haven't bought into the system. You know, the system looks so good in the preseason in terms of offense. And I understand it's preseason, but the ball was really moving. It was flowing. Everybody was getting together. And now we're seeing a lot of isolation, a lot of ball sticking. And defensively, the defense is terrible. It's straight trash from LeBron to everybody down. But it's really a bunch of things going on with this team. Man. It's not just one big issue. That's the reason why they're 19 and 20, you know. Yeah, man, 19 and 20. I think they're sixth in the Eastern Conference. I'm pretty sure you didn't have them in this spot. I'm sure I didn't uh, have Absolutely not. Absolutely in this not. Spot. I, I, yeah, oh, I, yeah, it, my it, bad. yeah. Yeah, I just meant, uh, honestly, I knew it was going to be a process. You know, it's, honestly, I didn't even expect the Cavs to win a championship this year. I said back in July, my pick was actually San Antonio. And I'm still sick, sticking with them, even though, you, you know, you got Golden State and Atlanta and, and a couple other guys. But, I honestly didn't expect him to win the chip, but I didn't expect 19 to 20. I'll tell you that. I expected 20 to 25 games at most of just struggles and trying to get used to each other before taking off for the rest of the league, and that hasn't happened yet, and we're freaking 40 games in. Yeah, man. You know, when you see Toronto and Washington and and, and Atlanta have better records, and, I mean, listen, we all knew they were going to be better, but nobody thought Atlanta would be where they at now. Nobody thought Toronto was going to be where they at now. Even the Wizards, nobody knew mm-hmm. where they were going to be. But at the same time, people can look at it as a bad thing or a negative, but to me, I look at it as a good thing because now, at the beginning, it was all about Cleveland and Chicago. Now it's like, hey, Chicago was still in the mix, Cleveland trying to work their way up, but you also got the Wizards, the Hawks, and the Raptors, which makes the Eastern Conference more competitive, more better, more better to watch. It's not it's not a one team race in that conference. To you, which team in the Eastern Conference that are doing good has surprised you? I mean, that's that's an easy one. It's definitely Atlanta in terms of where they at, and it's not it's not being surprised in terms of the record because I expected Atlanta to be a playoff team. You know, especially watching them closely last year, especially in the playoffs. I always, I was already impressed with, you know, Paul Millsap. I like the way he played. I feel like he's one of, like, the most underrated players in the league. And you knew Al Harford, when healthy, is a contributor. And you know Kyle Culver can play. And you know that they had a couple guys they were trying to develop, like a Dennis Schroeder they were trying to get. But I had high hopes for them just for the simple fact that Jeff T, man, can ball. You know, he he's on his way to becoming a big-time point guard in this league. He's on the verge. So when I see them play, I mean, I expected them to be good, top five, top six, but I didn't expect them to be where they are where, you know, all of a sudden you see people saying, oh, they're the San Antonio of the East. I'm like, what? Like, for real? I didn't expect that in October. 
Well, yeah, I, you know what, it's, if you ask me in the beginning of the year, and we, you know, we always do our, our predictions, who's going to make the playoffs, you know, who's going to be MVP, to me, and then he, <laughs> I can't believe, I can't believe I had, see, my thing is, I had the Knicks in the playoffs, but I'm, I'm like, listen, if they were to make it, they're like eighth. I'm not talking top four. I'm not talking home court event. I'm talking about like this. Yeah. And someone asked me, well, if you put the Knicks in, who are you taking out? Because, you know, you, you got to put Cleveland in because Kevin Love mm-hmm. and LeBron's there. Chicago's got Pau Gasol. Toronto, you know, and then I'm like, well, I might take Atlanta off. And then now, <laughs> and yeah. now I'm yeah, like, yeah. uh I'm, at this point, I should have taken off the Hornets because the Hornets, to me, have you know can, can be that shocking team. Like, man, I thought you guys were going to progress and, and get better yeah. and go higher, but that's the team that's like, oh, Charlotte, yeah. like, yeah, and, and that's funny that? too because because really anybody that looked at the East and was predicting it, everybody's one two was either Cleveland and Chicago or Chicago Cleveland. Either way, that was the top two. Three through five was really. Toronto, Washington, and you really was thinking of, you know, maybe a Charlotte in there. And then it was like, okay, you got Atlanta, you know, you got Miami, and you got the Knicks or the Nets. Nobody expected Milwaukee to be 21 and 19 and to be a game and a half up. So that's why your standings and everybody else's standings was mixed up because we thought, you know, Atlanta, Washington, Toronto, Chicago, Cleveland, Miami, Brooklyn, or New York. And Charlotte was going to make it. Nobody said, um, excuse me, the Milwaukee Bucks led by Jason Kidd, who had an ugly exit in Brooklyn, were all of a sudden going to be two games above 500, and they still staying afloat without the boy Jabari Parker. So nobody really expected these things. So it's been a weird year in the league so far. Very weird league. A very weird uh, league year. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with Arden Franklin, the host of Arden Sports Talk here on the Hits Radio Show, Hoops in the Sun Radio Show. Um, I gotta ask you, what what are you not seeing from LeBron James this season that you saw last season and prior seasons when he was in Miami? I think the biggest thing that I never really seen from LeBron was accountability in terms of being accountable for his actions and really leading by example. And, you know, you've watched LeBron speak. We've all watched LeBron speak. If you know who LeBron James is and, and you follow basketball, we know he's a great speaker. He's somebody that could really convince you, you know, and he knows how to speak. I mean, the dude's been doing this since he's about 16, 17 years old in terms of speaking in the media. We know he might have only got 18, but it's really about leading by example, man, being accountable. I've seen so many times LeBron this season not being engaged, not really being the leader that he promised to be. And it's one of those things where, as a player, we know he was great, but then you look back at Miami and you realize, oh, wow, there was a reason he went to Miami. So he could share those leadership uh, responsibilities with a Dwayne Wade, with a Chris Bosh, with, you know, Spo and a Pat Riley. And in a sense, he was the best player without question, but he was never, like, the main solo leader. And to be a leader in a situation like this where, you know, and you hear this in sports a lot, Randy, you you really in sports like I am, you always hear the word culture. Am I right? You always hear the word culture and you're trying to build something. Well, in order to build a culture and in order to establish something, you always have to lead by example first. You know, you have to set the tone, especially in a situation like Cleveland where, once again, people get caught up in 
in the name, oh, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and this, that, and the third. These dudes have never been to the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they've never been to the playoffs. You know, they don't know what it's like to play in big-time games or to, you know, take everybody's best shot, like I mentioned earlier. These guys are very inexperienced. They've never been in those types of situations. So my biggest disappointment with LeBron is as a leader, you have to lead by example more and really show these guys. And it's not a surprise that when LeBron led the way, we were winning games to compare it to when he didn't lead the way and he decided to be passive, we lost. See what I'm saying? You mentioned the fact that, you know, it, it, it came down to the name, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, even like the, the, the players they picked up, Sean Marion, Mike Miller, everybody else. <laughs> But I'm going to ask you, has it come to any point for you as a fan this season, like, man, if we would have kept Andrew Wiggins, man, um, (laughs) has that that thought come to you yet? Absolutely, absolutely not. No. I mean, I love Wiggins. You know, I think think you followed me on IG. I met Wiggins before the draft. Really nice guy. And And I seen him at the draft after he got drafted. I was very happy. And I pointed at him, and he actually remembered me. He pointed me back as a look saying, I remembered you. The reason why I didn't want Wiggins in Cleveland when you got the opportunity to pick Kevin Love, listen, regardless of what what a lot of these people on Twitter say, you know, you got a lot of fake GMs on Twitter, you never pass up the opportunity to trade for a proven all-star compared to to an unknown commodity. You just don't. You know, you you wouldn't see any real GM do that. That's That's a horrible thing to do. And, two, I kept trying to tell people, if Wiggins was in Cleveland, Wiggins would not be a top two scoring option. Wiggins wouldn't even be a top three option because the third option would have gone to, you know who, Deion Waiters. So Wiggins would have had to play off the ball, really be a main defensive stopper, and that's not the type of situation for him right now. And, and even though Minnesota's losing a lot of games and, until Mo Williams decided to drop 52 the other night, I always said I love the fact that he's in Minnesota. I absolutely love it. It's going to be a great opportunity, and it's already turning out to be one, where he's growing, he's maturing, he's getting minutes, he's getting responsibility. And you see what he's been doing for, like, the last, what, five to 15 games. He's getting over 20, and he's getting better. So I don't regret at all. Not one time this season I said, damn, I wish we had Andrew Wiggins. Not at all. I swear to God, on everything I love. I haven't thought about that one bit. And I love the kid, but I haven't thought about that one bit. So, so what are your thoughts on Kevin Love, the player now, and, and the role he has with the team leading into the part two of the question? Do you see him staying in in Cleveland? I think so, because to me, honestly, you know, with Kevin, in terms of Kevin's play, in terms of Kevin's play, part of it is his fault because he's not making shots. He's not really doing what he's supposed to do. But also, second part is really – Coach Black, in terms of the system, in terms of what he needs to do. I mean, we did it. Kevin Love has improved as a three-point shooter. But Kevin Love has made his money and developed into who he is by becoming that dominant post player. That's who he is. He needs more touches. And, of course, it's going to be a big change for him when he's used to getting majority of the shots and majority of the minutes in his old situation compared to now. Twice this year, he didn't even play in the fourth quarter of games. And you know that you're like third and on the food chain at times. So I feel like it's really both sides. He needs to play better, but it's really more about love needs to really maybe become more of a focal point of the offense without taking 
too much from LeBron and Kyrie. But I think he's saying, I feel like if he leaves, but as much as people may say you can't blame him, I think it'll make him look bad. I think it will make him somewhat of a quitter. You know, it's, oh, you take the easy way out or, you know, you went to the situation. You know, it will make him look less of a winner, in my opinion. Now, David Blatt, um, listen, I, I know he was there before LeBron got there. If if the Cavs can go back and try to have LeBron and them guys come in before David Blatt, I'm pretty sure he would not be the coach. Um, mm-hmm. One, does he does he remain the coach for the remainder of the season? And if he does, does he come back next season? I doubt it. And in your opinion, uh who would you want to see coach this Cavs team if it's not David Blatt? Honestly, it's a good question, but I really haven't. I really don't have an answer for it because I, I believe in Coach Black. You know, from the moment really? he got hired, and it, yeah, I really do believe in Coach Black, man. And I feel like it's really more on the players, to where the players have to buy in. Like you really have to buy in, man. I know at times, right and rightfully so, you put the onus on the coach and you put that focus on them, but. For Black, who would have known, man, when we hired him in June that LeBron would have came home, that we would have got Kevin Love? It was a possibility. I know it was one that I mentioned, you know, for years. But even then, I'm like, man, it's a possibility. It's just and I'm, I'm looking forward to another rebuild again and just be having to make the playoffs. So, honestly, and, and, and really thinking back, I don't know how much or how many interested coaching candidates they were out there. Now, I know there's Mark Jackson, but I'm not really a big fan of Mark Jackson, to be honest. I'm not a big fan of Mark Jackson. And like I said, man, I like Coach Black's system. I, when it works, it works. I just think it's more about the players buying in. He can do a better job in terms of rotation, but it's a player thing, man. The players got to buy into it and execute it a bit better. Mm-hmm. One He's such an easy you... target, man. He's such an easy target, and that's, and that's the unfortunate thing. Yeah, I mean, listen, when you see – and obviously, people can say it was it was blown out of proportion and wasn't a big deal. But when you see him get pushed on the sideline by LeBron, and it's like uh, <laughs> it, it, it was yeah. it looked like it, it looked like it was a fan on the court, and LeBron was like, "Listen, you don't belong here. You you got to go out, out there." And, and Black just <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, you know what's so crazy about that though? Like I watched it over and over, and I'm like. The only reason why it is what it is because of who's involved. If it was any other player, it would have just been, oh, there's a player, quote unquote, pushing his coach to the side, but he's doing it to save his, you know, his coach from a tech. That's all it really was. Like, it wasn't like LeBron shoved them out the way. It wasn't like when LeBron showed the bump, you know, spoke a few years ago. It was just more if he noticed coaches getting upset. He's seen it. He's seen when Mike Brown used to get upset back in the day and when Spo got upset. So he's just trying to save his coach from a tech. But to me, it's one of those things, man, it's, you, when LeBron's involved, it's always going to be a big deal. You know, to me, it's a little deal. I've seen tons of players do that, and it's never been made a big story. But because it's LeBron, it's a big story. Here, let me ask you this, just to be funny. Uh, did, did David Blatt flop? <laughs> <laughs> He <laughs> sure he didn't look like he flopped to me, man. But you know how it is, man. It's LeBron's involved, it's the Cavs, so of course he's yeah. gonna be in the news, man. Um, matter of fact, one one more thing on, on your Cavaliers. Um, the fact that you guys 
you guys made a, a deal recently with with my New York Knicks, and yes, we did. We really, you know, you can sound all you can sound all happy you want, good for you, but uh, on this side of the coin, we was like, listen, we got rid of J.R. Smith and Iman Shepard, and we got like a draft pick in 2021 or whatever it is. Um, how do you feel about J.R. and Shepard um, coming to the team? J.R. played a couple games, Shepard not yet. How do you feel about that acquisition right there? I like J.R. You know, it's so funny. I remember – Last week when the trade went down, I was stunned. Like, I fell to the floor, to be honest. And it wasn't even falling to the floor because I was mad or very happy. I was just stunned that the trade was going down. I'm like, really? Like, with the Knicks? With, with J.R. Smith and Iman Shumford? But I like the trade, though. I really do. Like, seeing J.R. playing Cleveland, I think he's going to be a good fit. And he's going to do something that we wanted Deion Waiters to do, but he couldn't. Deion just couldn't adjust to being a six-man and fulfilling the responsibilities of that role, Jr. can do it. Plus, Jr. is a vet, taller, more experienced, and he's played with stars. And plus, if LeBron ever needed advice on how to play with Jr., you know LeBron and Melo are best friends, basically. They know each other since high school. So, and with Iman, I like the addition of Iman. You know, Iman could be the classic 3 and D player. You know those guys, the guys who can shoot threes, and they can play pretty good defense and we all know LeBron's not the player that he used to be on defense, so Iman could take up the best assignments while LeBron could rest. So I like the deal, and I love the addition of Moscow. I mean, having a legit seven-footer is a beautiful thing. So I like these trades, man. This is all about getting better, man. But we need to get better soon. We don't, we don't have a lot of room no more. It's, it's go time. No, you don't. You don't have enough room, don't have enough time, because these other teams are getting better and getting better fast. Um when it's all said and done, I, I assume the Cavs will make the playoffs. Do, do you feel they crack into the top four, or do you feel like they're in that five, six range? Good question. I mean, I'm looking at the standings now, and uh, even in our situation, I mean, we were a game and a half back in Milwaukee with seven, what, actually not seven, six maps back in Chicago. So I think we'd be lucky to be the fifth seed, but it's going to take a lot of work, though. It's going to take a lot of work. Guys really got to get going. We got to go on a serious run in terms of just winning streaks and really playing like a team that was supposed to be a team that was supposed to not only make the playoffs but compete for a championship. So the guys just got to get on the roll. LeBron got to lead the way. Kay Love got to lead the way. Kyrie got to lead the way. Coach Platt has to do a better job of coaching. So that's really what it is, man. No more time for talking. We just got to get it done. Two final questions for you, Arden, switching to football. I'm yeah, like man. A, you're a big Talk Colts about my fan. Colts, man. I'm ready to go, baby. Let's go. That's right. And then for the record, yep. you're you're not a bandwagon Colts fan. You've been a Colts fan for Never quite that. a while. That's right. You long know, time. long-time Colts so, fan. We out here. You're not a Colts fan since the Andrew Luck era. Um, <laughs> but they are, in the, they are in the AFC Championship game. Big win against Denver in Denver. Uh, very, yeah. very happy about that. How do you feel about that win, number one, two, going into New England for a chance at the Super Bowl, man? It definitely felt surreal to win in Denver. You know, it's, you know, honestly, the only time it really felt surreal and crazy to face Peyton was that game back last year. But ever since then, it felt normal again to face him, but... It was more about being feeling surreal and also being proud of this team, man. Even though this team was 11 and 15, they had a lot of ups and downs this year and battle injuries. And I felt at times they underachieved a little bit because you see what this team can do, like last Sunday and 
previous times before, but it was a great one. You know, Andrew Luck played a good game. The defense did one hell of a job. In terms of this Sunday in New England, you know, I've been watching the tape um, on my Tumblr. For those who follow me on Twitter, I'll post you my Tumblr. I actually have two, three new posts coming this week, and one of them is going to be game tape, you know, a post about how the coach can beat New England and previewing that matchup. And it's one of those things where, in all, it's about you have to play better than what we did in those three games against New England. They blew us out. They really did a great job running the ball and being very physical at the point of attack. So it's really about playing clean football, executing, being physical. And if we can do that, then, like, I, hey, I, I usually don't guarantee things, but if the coach can do what we did in Denver and better, I guarantee that we will win on Sunday if we can do what we do. Plus the playoffs, weirder things have happened. You know, it's that time of the year. Right. Green Bay, Seattle, who you got? Oh, that's easy, Seattle. <laughs> I wanted Dallas to win just for the sake of – Oh, yeah, yeah me too, me too, man, me yeah, too. Yeah, I wanted like Dallas that. to win just for the sake of, you know, um, they would have gave Seattle a much better challenge. And for those out there, I don't care if you think Des Bryant's catch is not a catch. You're blind if you don't think that's not, not a catch. That was a catch, straight up. We've seen that catch all the time, every Sunday in football. Straight up, like if you really don't think that's a catch, and now in the words of Chad Johnson, you deserve a child, please. But I think Seattle is going to give Green Bay that work, you know, and Rodgers and them is going to make it busy, make it competitive like a half or so. But I just think they're on another level right now. Green Bay's best chance is if Aaron Rodgers could be healthy and that Russell Wilson completely forgets how to play football. That to me is what it is right now. But yeah, man, hopefully the Colts win. I definitely know. I feel that Seattle will win, and. We'll see what happens. So basically, your Super Bowl is Indianapolis, Seattle, and obviously you're taking the coast to win that, the whole thing, right? Oh uh, yeah, man, got to. Why would I root for my boys to make the Super Bowl? Then go I'm again, just saying, Seattle. when you got when you get Tom Brady <laughs> at home in the playoffs, and I know they haven't won since I think '04, whatever, but still, I know. Trust me, I man. Think, you know what's um, so funny? Two, three weeks ago, I didn't want New England. I was borderline scared of New England just because of those previous matchups. But it's like you got to be real. About yourself, and you gotta look at the tape, and you gotta understand that it's a different time of the year. It's gonna be a very tough matchup. If we lose, I wouldn't be surprised, but I wouldn't be surprised if we won. It's you gotta go out there, man. It's the last game. It could be your last game of the year. You gotta go home. You gotta go hard to go home, man. <laughs> it's really I hear what that. It is. I hear yeah, that, man. One one final one for you, Arden. Um, what are your thoughts on Andrew Luck this season and his overall progression as your coach? starting quarterback, and where do you rank him right now as far as the top, I don't know, top five, top eight, maybe top six quarterbacks in the NFL? Um, regardless of what happens on Sunday, I definitely believe Andrew Luck has secured a spot in the top five if you're talking quarterbacks. If you're talking top five quarterbacks, I feel as if you got to mention Rodgers, of course. you got to mention you got to mention Brady. you got to mention, you got to mention Peyton if he comes back. you got to mention Roethlisberger, but you got to give my boy – luck the fifth spot, and what he did this year was phenomenal, you know, in terms of the 40 touchdowns for most of the season being the league leader in yards and really taking over games, And but the turnovers could use more work, but his development of the game is incredible in terms of what he's done, and, and as a Colts fan, I've been a Colts fan for over 10 years now. I remember my first game with the Colts, watching Peyton Manning throw six touchdowns against the Saints in September of 2003. That was, like, way back when he used to have the blue face mask instead of the clear one. And we've been lucky. 
to say we had 15 years of Peyton, then to suck for one year, and then have Andrew Luck is incredible. You got teams like the Jaguars and the Jets and teams like that that don't have a quarterback or hoping that they can find one. So just to have Peyton and then have Luck is a beautiful thing, man, and I'm very proud of him, and I hope he's a quarterback forever until he can't play no more. I'm really proud of him. Mm-hmm. Hey, if he's man, not in your top five, if he's not in your top five, then you need to reevaluate your football opinion. Oh, eventually. I, I, I even wrote, before I let you go, I even wrote, you know, this is, this, this is the first, the first of many AFC championship games Andrew Luck will be in. Because, you know, obviously Brady is, is not going to play forever. Payne Man is not going to play forever. Joe Flacco, Ben Roethlisberger. Andrew Luck hopefully will secure him and his, and his team in upcoming AFC Championship games, I think I think he'll do that. He'll be the new Tom Brady and the new Peyton Manning of the AFC. And it, 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 it's always great to see young talent um, perform on a high level. And I'm just a big fan of Andrew Luck. But, you know, good luck to him. Good luck to you uh, on the Colts. And good luck to you and, and the Cavaliers. I hope they turn around quick to make things interesting. Um, always great having you on real quick. Let the fans know where they can hit you up on Twitter and um, when you air your radio show, what time, and stuff like that. Yeah, man. Thank you once again for having me on the show, man. You know you're one of my guys, and I always love having you on the show. But, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Arden Sports Talk, A-R-D-E-N, then Sports, then Talk. And from there, if you want to know where I post my articles and where I do my other work, just give your boy a follow. I always share my stuff. And, Randy, thank you once again, man, and, Hey, brother, please stay stress-free with the Knicks. You know, relax, chill out. You'll be good. Don't don't worry about them no more. Just hope you get the number one pick. Yo, yo man, I, I, just, <laughs> I, just want, I, I just want more than nine dubs, man. That's all I want. <laughs> hey, man, I, I, I feel like the, the most they can do is give you guys at least 12 wins. And speaking of Knicks, man, you and to all the Knicks fans out there, check out the Westchester Knicks. If you follow my tweets, you know I'll cover the team. There's a lot of talent down there. The New York Knicks got my boy Blankstein Galloway, the first call-up in Westchester Knicks history. Check out right. the Westchester Knicks. They're a very talented team. All right, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. No problem, man. Thank you. Have a good night. All right. You too. All right. So that was Arden Franklin, the host of Arden Sports Talk on blogtalkradio.com. Hit him up on Twitter at Arden Sports Talk, A-R-D-E-N-S-P-O-R-T-S. Okay, you're live on the Hits Radio Show, Blog Talk Radio, hitsradioshow.com. The number to call in, 646-716-7474, 646-716-7474. Here every episode we've done. This is number 179. On the road to 200. iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, hitsradioshow.com. We even starting to put some little segments on SoundCloud. So we got the Hits the Hits Podcast Network. I changed the name up. The Hits Podcast Network on SoundCloud. So, you know, we're making it we're making it possible for you guys to hear this show and every show on social media. So there's no excuse. You have like five to seven different outlets where you can hear this show and hear me talk NBA, NFL, music, movies, pro wrestling, all that and much more on the Hits Radio Show, 
and the Cruise Control Podcast. So, great job by Arden. Thanks a lot to him. Big Colt fan and, and Cavalier fan. So, his team is 19-20. Uh, and 20. The Colts are in the AFC Championship game against the Patriots. So, he's got a busy weekend coming up. You're live on the Hits Radio Show. Randy Cruz, follow me on Twitter at CruzR83CR. U-Z-R-A-3. Coming up next, my man Jared Greenberg from NBA TV. Coming up next, don't go anywhere. What's up, pod people? This is Billy Corbin. And when I'm not directing 30 for 30s, I'm chilling here in the sun in Miami listening to these guys in New York freeze their asses off on the Hoops in the Sun radio show. Radio Show, Blog Talk Radio, HitsRadioShow.com, hosted by me, Randy Cruz, CruzR83 on Twitter. Without further ado, my man, Jared Greenberg, NBA TV, Sirius XM, NBA Radio on the line. What's up, Jared? How you doing? What's up, Randy? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Aside from the cold up in here in New York City, I'm fine, brother. (laughs) It's cold everywhere, man. (laughs) <laughs> uh, even even down there, ATL? Yeah, it's been about uh, like 40 degrees lately. Hopefully we get to warm it up a little bit. You know, I got some southern blood now. I don't like this cold weather. <laughs> 40 down there, it's like springtime, brother. It's like 25. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, first of all, you know, we always love and, and appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. Um, Happy New Year to you and the family, first and you foremost. Too, man. Um, let's get right into it, man. Your thoughts on LeBron, Kevin Love, the Cavaliers? It's a it's a real up and down story with with what's been going on. What's your overall take on LeBron, K. Love, even the coach David Blatt? First of all, I lost a bet with myself because I was real sure you were going to be asking me about what I just spent the last six hours on TV talking about was <laughs> the Knicks losing. Streak. I was at so work, I man. Lost I was a at bet work. with myself. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, there's so much drama right now. I call it the uh, the daytime soap opera in Cleveland right now as the world turns with the Cavaliers. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, listen, that's what happens when you lose. Uh, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of teams when you evaluate their situation and you say what's happening, if they were losing, players would have an issue with playing time. You look at Milwaukee, for example. Jason Kidd changes the starting lineup almost every day game. Right. He he finishes games with different guys. His guys' playing time is up and down. It's like a roller coaster. But you don't hear a peep out of Milwaukee, not just because it's Milwaukee, but because, you know, they're they're the most improved team from last year. Cleveland, on the other hand, despite what LeBron tried to put out there in the SI article about tempering expectations this year, any team that has LeBron on it and two other All-Stars and two other Olympians uh, are going to be expected to to not only contend but but be there at the end of June uh, with an NBA title on the line. So, you know, this has obviously been a disappointing start. This is more than just a rocky road that most teams have when they come together with with a bunch of superstars. And 
listen, do, do I believe that all of it's true, that all of the internal strife is exactly the way it's been reported? No, probably not. But I also do believe that there's a lot of good reporters covering this team in the NBA, and most of the time where there's smoke, there's fire. If there's some sort of report, uh, I don't think guys are making it up. So uh, there certainly seems like there are some issues. And, and you know, obviously winning could solve a lot of that, but I think, you know, they need to find his identity. You know, we, we talk about the Knicks triangle and that not working for their personnel. You know, we just know the Cavs aren't playing good on either side of the basketball consistently. We don't know the role for Kevin Love. Uh, we're questioning LeBron's effort on defense earlier in the year. Uh, so we just don't have our finger on the pulse of what they want to accomplish aside from winning games. You know, how do they want to run their offense? Do you want to start with Love inside, then get him to the outside, or vice versa? Uh, what type of defensive philosophy does Coach Blatt have? We've not heard those things, so it's not as easy to put our finger on what's wrong as we're able to do in places like New York and L.A. with the Lakers. How difficult of a decision does Kevin Love have coming in the summertime, knowing that he came from Minnesota, they traded for him, the Cavs traded Andrew Wiggins, a uh, young prospect out of Kansas, and now he's there and he looks uncomfortable still in the system. He's probably the third option on the team, um, pre-agent or opt-out this summer. Um, where do you see him going? Does he stay in Cleveland? Does he try to go to L.A.? Because that's where he's from. What are the main options for Kevin Love right now? Randy, you know, you go back and, and, and look at, at free agents that have been in their prime, are, are among the, the best players in the league over a period of a decade, two decades. You know, really only Dwight Howard comes to mind as a guy who left the money and the extra guaranteed year on the table and went somewhere else. Uh, it's it's so rare. It doesn't happen all that often. Um, uh, could could Kevin Love be the next version of Dwight Howard, saying he wants to go somewhere to be closer to where he grew up and and maybe be in a position where he'd be happier? You know, we heard that phrase from Dwight Howard a whole lot when he went to Houston. You know, maybe, maybe that's possible. I just think you know, much like you saw firsthand with the Knicks and Carmelo Anthony, it's awfully difficult for for players to leave an extra year and. You know, I don't know the exact extra money that Kevin Love would get from the Cavs, but it'd, it'd be significant over what the other 29 teams could offer him. Do you feel Cleveland at any point has any regret trading Andrew Wiggins? Oh, of course. I'm sure, you know, every day. Uh, um, you know, that, that was an incredibly tough decision. You know, you hear people saying that why not keep Wiggins for the year if, if you feel like it's going to, take a while to build this thing, keep Wiggins with LeBron and, and Kyrie this year, you know, figure it out, get, get, you know, land wherever you may. And then in the off season, you'd be able to sign Kevin Love. Now I don't, I'm not in that camp because um, I, you just with, with, with the way free agency is the unpredictability in that scenario where you knew Kevin Love uh, could, was not going back to Minnesota and he's got 29 other teams and you can only offer him when he hits the open market as much as the other teams, um, then you don't want to take that risk. I, I don't think that was a viable option. So, yeah, it was high high risk, high reward, uh, you know, high risk, high reward, both, you know, catch 22 for, for what Cleveland wanted to do. But ultimately, listen, this falls on this falls on LeBron James, whether it is uh, his final say or not. Obviously, they, they have management, a front office that, that that's pulling the strings or making the final call, but, but maybe I should say it's, it's ultimately going to go on LeBron and, and him pulling the strings. You know, he came back to Cleveland. And he pretty much surprised that organization just like he did the rest of America when the article came out in Sports Illustrated. Um, you know, there was speculation that he might go, but it wasn't definite until we saw it in writing. 
And that's, you know, kind of what Dan Gilbert, the owner of the team, heard as well. Uh, you know, he said he, he didn't get a – he got a call not not too much before the, the article came out. So, you know, a lot of this seems like LeBron James is orchestrating it, whether it be true or not. Oftentimes, it's a sad story to sell that its perception is reality. So um, will they regret having Andrew Wiggins? Listen, Andrew Wiggins is not, you know, shown to be this unbelievable – future Hall of Famer in his first season, but I think we've seen um, at times how special Andrew Wiggins will be and and how he's inspired a a very young and and talented Minnesota team. Now, obviously, they're going through a tough time, but um, yeah, you know, this this is going to be a trade, Randy, that goes down for the next few decades that we will question um, whether Cleveland and LeBron James made the right move. Well, the Cavaliers have been in some kind of trading um, Moe, the, the last couple of weeks that they get Moscow from Denver, Jr. and Shepard from, from New York. Um, did you like the move? Did you feel like more that it was more like a panic move because of what's been going on? Do you feel like those three can really come to that team and make an impact right away? Panic, panic only in the sense that uh, they were losing and had injuries simultaneously. Uh, we, we've been talking about Cleveland needing perimeter defenders and a guy to defend the rim since this team opened up training camp. Uh, there had been rumors about Cleveland uh, inquiring about Miles Gobb, about Costas Khufu, uh in, in Memphis and, and some other guys around the league. Uh, there was even talk, you know, when, when the Knicks waived Samuel Dallenbear that, that, that Cleveland would, uh, you know, potentially look at pursuing him in the free agent market. Um, you know, this team had – Clear weaknesses. You know, we knew uh, you don't you don't have to be all that basketball savvy to recognize um, what their strength and what their weaknesses were, and uh, to see how LeBron had succeeded in the past. And you know, it's interesting that, that uh, as I'm you know talking this out here, you know, Miami didn't necessarily always have great rim protectors. You know, uh, Chris Bosh, Adonis Haslam, Birdman. You know, those, those guys aren't the best rim defenders. Now, Chris Bosh certainly is a at least his reputation is that he's a better defender than Kevin Love, and I think that's where um, Miami certainly had a leg up, and obviously Chris Bosh had playoff experience before he came to Miami, albeit limited. Uh, but um, did they panic? Yes and no. Um, I, I think, you know, we'll have to see. J.R. Smith had a phenomenal game in Phoenix the other night, even though the, right. the Cavs lost. Uh, but, you know, I think we're all kind of wondering, and I'm sure you guys talked about it as well, um, inside that locker room, you know, the off-the-court stuff, uh, I don't think J.R. Smith is a bad guy, but, you know, obviously he at times has, has been unhappy with his role, and you have to wonder down the stretch when his role changes, if he's no longer a starter or if he's uh, not the sixth man, if he's not playing 25 minutes, 30 minutes a night, is he going to be happy? Um, so those types of things. You know, Nick fans are, are disappointed that they didn't get much in return in terms of uh, substance, you know, in, in terms of players or, or draft picks back from Cleveland, but but obviously giving up J.R. Smith was huge because Cleveland wanted Iman Shumpert, and, and Smith was big because he had years left on a guaranteed deal that freed up a lot of space for Phil Jackson. We're chatting with Jared Greenberg of NBA TV um, here on the Hoops in the Sun radio show. Now, we you've been mentioning the Knicks. I, I, I've, been, I've been holding back because, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm a Knicks fan, and it's uh, – <laughs> you get to a point where – you just don't know what to say or know how to react. And that every game yeah. you watch, just like, I can't do it, man. I can't. You can't watch even just like the intros or the first five minutes. You can't do it because yeah. you, you, you just know the outcome. 
So did, did you see what happened the first five minutes today? 0 for 10 with three turnovers as uh, Milwaukee jumped out to a 14 nothing lead? <laughs> no, it's so funny, Jerry, that I, I I was at work and I heard they lost, so I, I didn't see the game. So I don't know I, I don't know what happened with 14-0 run. I don't know none of that. So now I get home and I just check NBA.com to, to do some research, and it said uh, Knicks, uh, Bucks win in London. I'm like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> it's, not su- right. it's not surprising. But right. kind of circle back. Because um, the last time I had you on, you know, this is way before free agency. Melo had not made his decision. When you, when you look at it now, should Melo have gone to Chicago, not stay in New York, or do you feel like somehow, some way, he kind of knew, you know, he still has this trust in Phil Jackson that he's going to rebuild this this team from the bottom to the top? And do you think he – kind of made the right choice or he should have went to, you know, to Chicago. Yeah, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh Obviously, Pau Gasol is, uh, I'm sure you've been seeing it, has been playing out of his mind lately. And he might go down as, as the best off-season signing by any team. Um, and you have to wonder if, if, if Carmelo had gone to Chicago, it would have been awfully tough for the Bulls to, to also get Pau Gasol, obviously, financially. They've, theoretically, they could have done it, but it would have been tough. Uh, but if Carmelo is there with or without Pau, um, are the Bulls having as much success as they, they have been having? Now, they've been struggling the last couple of days. I understand that. But, but just in terms of the overall picture of the season. Um, listen, you know, like I said before with, with the Dwight Howard and Kevin Love examples, it's tough for these guys to leave that extra guaranteed year and 20 or $30 million on the table. So I understand why they did it. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I blame Melo and I blame Phil Jackson because they both knew what they were getting themselves into. Mello knew what Phil Jackson and Derek Fisher were going to be all about. Mello knew what the roster, at least at the time that he signed, around him looked like. And, and he, Obviously, there have been changes since, since then in July, but it's not all that different, and it's not like they lost all that much talent, or it's not like there's all that much talent that's been injured. You know, you can talk about Bargnani, you talk about Calderon to start the season, but let's be real here, you know, the, the injuries and the lack of chemistry this team's been able to gain on the court together is not the difference between them being a five-win team and them being a 30-win team, right? So Carmelo did a bad job of being a realist. Uh, and then, you know, I also blame Phil Jackson because um, if you are going to commit $124 million over five years to one player, then I'm of the belief that you need to make sure you do your part to complement in building your team. And whether right. that's with players and personnel on, on, the, on the roster, whether it's the, the, the system you play, whatever it is to make him feel comfortable, not to baby him and spoil him. I understand that, that these guys sometimes have that reputation of being a prima donna. I'm just talking about if you're going to give somebody $124 million, that's an investment that, that you're making in, in a guy that's going to eat up a huge portion of what you're allowed to spend annually. So now, why would you begin to build in the opposite direction of the way he has thrived? You know, it's not like we're dealing with a guy two or three years into the league and we think we could change him. You know, Carmelo has been in the league for uh, more than a decade. We know who he is. We know what he is. And he's only getting older. So why would you build the opposite of what is good for him um, and, and that's, you know, what I think is, is going to be interesting down the road. You know, you, you talk about adding these free agents or making more trades or getting a really good draft pick and, and, and you know, getting somebody that, that can add immediate talent. But 
do they work together in sync with Carmelo Anthony and at the same time with the style that Phil Jackson wants Derek Fisher to implement? And this is my thing, Jared. You know, <clears throat> me living in New York and me being a Nick, a Nick fan since the early 2000s, and it's like, yeah, you're going to have a top draft pick. Is it going to be number one? We have no idea. Yeah, free agents are going to be out there. <clears throat> yes, you're going to have money and more more salary cap when Bayani and Amari get off the books. Now it's like, hey, what do you do with that money? What do you do with that draft pick? And knowing the right. the, the Knicks history, they haven't been really great draft people. And it's like, mm, why, why do you get that guy when this guy is still on the board? Or why would you trade this pick right. to get a, a veteran and the veteran gets hurt in well, two years? Go ahead, well, listen, go ahead. Randy, that's, that, that, that's, you know, when, when you talk about draft picks and trades, that, that I think is unfair because it's a different group of guys making those decisions today than in past. You know, it's like, it's like when right. we say, you know, dating back to 1970, the Knicks traditionally have lost against this team, you know. The guys on this team in 2015 don't care about what happened in 1975 against the Washington Bullets, right? That's irrelevant. But where I think you should be focusing your energy is that the the team has sold you on this belief that we have all this cap space, we're going to be better. Well, here's here's where I think you talk historically. You know, Allen Houston, Earl Monroe. Who else really in, in what you would consider the prime of their career while they've been an all-star, while they've been among the elite players in the game, has been willing to come to New York? And now you add into the mix all these other factors. New York, when you talk about a single player, it doesn't matter whether they have $30 million available or $100 million. They're only allowed to offer a player the same amount of money as a max contract that 28 other teams are allowed to offer. The 29th team being the team that they're on can offer them more money in most cases than anybody else. So it doesn't matter how much cap space you have when you're talking about an individual player. The Knicks obviously have more than enough to sign an individual player, but what is going to entice a free agent, a superstar free agent to compliment Carmelo? What is going to make him choose New York over Phoenix, Charlotte, Denver, um, and San Antonio, if those two uh, future Hall of Famers retire there. There are so many other places that have had a history of, of of being an attractive place as a free agent destination that the Knicks have not. And then you add in the fact that do they want to play with Carmelo? Do they want to run the triangle? Do they want to potentially go to New York with a spotlight on them day in and day out and have the, the potential that at the end of their run, their reputation has been tarnished because they didn't succeed. Uh, there's a lot of people, as you know, Yankee fans, Giant fans, Jet fans, Met fans, you, you all know this. It's often hard to get a player to come to New York because not everybody can, can play under that heat lamp every single day. So, so, the, so basically the Knicks might be in a – similar situation the Lakers were in because the Lakers had some money, but what? nobody would want to go there, right? Right, because listen, you know, it, it, let's say best case scenario, let's say Marcus All shocks everybody and doesn't resign in Memphis. And then take it a step further, you know, most people think if he doesn't sign to Memphis, he goes to San Antonio. If he really shocks everybody and goes with option what might be four, five, or six and goes to New York, 
Best case scenario. Okay. So now you have, as of today, you would have Jose Calderon, Tim Hardaway, Carmelo Anthony, and Marcus All. Are, are, are you, you know, and Clee Anthony early. <laughs> are, are, you, are you thinking this team competes for a championship? No, you're still, no. you're still multiple pieces away without even figuring out yet if those guys can play together, without them even taking the floor. So, you know, I, I don't mean to throw salt in the wound here. I just think that, you know, where, where the emphasis has to lie, and I wouldn't be down just yet, you've got to give him a chance, is, is Phil Jackson, the unknown with him, is, will him and his staff be able to draft wisely? Will mm-hmm. they continue to be able to make trades? and also find free agent pieces who aren't necessarily superstars, but guys that fit the proper role that can complement not only the Knicks system, but Carmelo and any star they may be able to bring in. And if they don't bring in a star, well, then be a really solid team surrounding Melo. Mm-hmm. I got a uh, couple ones, a couple few ones uh, for you, Jerry, before uh, I'll let you go. Um, the best teams in the league right now, do you agree that it's, the Warriors, it's Portland, it's Atlanta, it's the Wizards, or is there somebody? Is there somebody else I'm leaving off as far as the best teams in the league right now? Yeah, you know, I think the Bulls, uh, he, um, and we got to see what happens with Joe Kimmel's ankle. He got injured last night, and you know, Derrick Rose consistently got to be on the court. Uh, you know, I'm still still a fan of the Bulls. Um, you know, they they've been a bit of a downturn recently, but we got to look at the bigger picture. Um, I think the, the the Raptors are intriguing in that we haven't seen them uh, enough with, with DeMar DeRozan. You know, when DeRozan's played, they're 13-3. and three. Now, granted, uh, at the beginning part of the season, the Raptors had one of the most favorable schedules. They played every game at home, and they didn't play as many top-tier teams. So I, I think we still need to learn a lot more about the Raptors over the next four to six weeks here. Uh, out west, you know, the, the Clippers are always intriguing. Huge road win last night at Portland. Um, are, are you are you done with San Antonio? You know, personally, I, I don't think they could win it. But how many times has, has have we said that in past years, and that's come back to burn us? Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much. You know, I I, I do. I am a believer in Golden State. Really like Portland. I think Portland probably needs to make a move here. Maybe uh, maybe uh, you know strengthen uh, their depth. Um, certainly, you know, they've had a ton of injuries on the front court. Um, you know, can they get some somebody else to, to help that center position and on the off the bench? Can they, you know, maybe look at a Nate Robinson type uh, who's now a free agent or will be a free agent? Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what 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 you know. Obviously, it feels like there's been a record number of of uh, trades and signings and and way, guys being waived over over uh, December and early January here. So who knows what's to come. I recall, real quick, I recall at the beginning of the year, and, you know, me and you follow each other on Twitter, and I mentioned something about, you know, when the Lakers, you're probably going to laugh, when the Lakers had, you know, when they got Lynn, Boozer, and all them guys, I was like, you know, if Kobe comes back healthy, then he, he might have a good, you know, stat season or some, something to that degree. And <laughs> the response you gave me was kind of like, 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 dude, are you serious? Like, do you see the roster they have? <laughs> and I kind of right. now looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe Jared was right because now they're, <laughs> they're like ten wins, or whatever. Um, yeah. What are what are your thoughts currently on the Lakers? Kobe Bryant, he, he probably has one year left. What they're gonna do when he retires? What, what, what's your thought currently on that team? 
the same thing that I've said since training camp. I have I have always stood firm thinking Kobe would have a really solid year individually. Now, he's having the worst shooting year of his career, although he's still putting up points, just not very efficiently. But my concern heading into the year was I never had a doubt in my mind that the Lakers would be terrible this year. But would you burn too much of the fuel that's left in Kobe's tank so when the potential is that they're better next year, will he have enough to still compete at that high level? Because, you know, much like the Knicks, the Lakers aren't – they're going to be able to add something, and ultimately I believe they will, but, but they're not going to be able to add three future Hall of Famers. So to that point, you want Kobe next year when you have to believe they'll be better than they are this year to have a lot left in the tank. And I spoke to Byron Scott and Gary Vitti and all these guys said they're going to manage Kobe's minutes and they're going to play him wisely and they're going to make sure that, you know, coming off of multiple injuries is going to be used correctly. Garbage. As we all predicted, when Kobe wants to play, he does. He's playing an incredible amount of minutes. Now you see it where he's resting. I think he's rested three of the last six games or whatever it may be. Um, you know, I, I think the Lakers right now are, are a team where when you look at them, much like the Knicks, what happens this year, you know, if there's improvement, if there's guys getting better individually, the team's playing with better chemistry, you have to say to yourself, which one of these guys would still be on the team if we are going to be a playoff team next year? And when you look at the Knicks roster and you look at the Lakers roster, I don't think you come up with very many answers. Now, I think the Lakers have a bit of a leg up here, and uh, no pun intended, uh, sad injury to Julius Randle. You know, he will be cutting back and expected a full recovery. So now you got Randle. If the Lakers do indeed secure a top-five pick and don't have to give the draft pick away to Phoenix, now now they've got Randle and another top-five pick coming. Um, you've developed some talent, I would say probably more than, than, than the Knicks have, um, but, but not, you know, you could argue it and you wouldn't be wrong. It's marginal. Um, you know, I, I just think you have to make sure that Kobe has enough next year when the team, without a doubt, will be better than they are now. Last one for you, Jared. Um, I mean, we, we can go many ways with this, but, the, you know, depending on your outlook, um, current MVP in your opinion right now, who, who would it be? I mean, there's plenty of guys on good teams right now, but who is the one that you could say that really is standing out right now? I, you know, I, I, right now I get it as Steph Curry. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem putting James Harden in a mix. You know, and I have, you know, I've been a big critic of James Harden, but I think with the amount of injuries that this team has had and uh, some significant changes they've had to their roster, they go from being a horrific defensive team last year to a team that's been pretty darn good on that end of the court, and he's been a big part of it. Uh, obviously, you, you know, you want to give credit as well to Trevor Ariza and to acquiring Corey Brewer on the play of Patrick Beverly when he's been on the court. But, you know, the fact that they've, they've had so many injuries, I think, I think Harden is there. Um, you know, I, I think there's, uh, there's, there's, there's a, you know, Atlanta probably doesn't have a guy, although they've had a phenomenal season, you know, the coach might win coach of the year, uh, Jason Kidd up there as well in that conversation. But, um, you know, I think Anthony Davis, while he's still putting up good numbers, he's fallen off, you know, for a while I had him third uh, in the running. Uh, you know, you're going to look at Marcus Saul, and I think the one guy that's probably not getting as much attention as he should is going to be LaMarcus Aldridge. You know, very few guys uh, can put up individual numbers 
uh, and, and not be the guy who receives the most attention on his own team. You know, Damian Lillard, because he might be the most clutch player in the game today, gets gets most of the, the pub, and, you know, he loves social media and he loves doing interviews, so you hear a lot more from Lillard. But uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find a power forward right now that's putting up better numbers on a consistent basis than, than LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, you know, offensively, defensively, he's pretty solid. You know, he, he, can, he can attack you in multiple ways. He rebounds the basketball. He shoots at a, a relatively uh, efficient rate, scores a whole bunch of points. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, so, so uh, you know, in the end, you know, I, this, is, this is not going to be your standard two- or three-man race that we've had the last several years. And I right. think what's going to be exciting about it, you know, when Durant really started to pull away last year in January when he had that long, incredible stretch run of games, um, you, you're going to have, uh, you know, more. And, again, you know, with, with the Curry-Harden argument, you're going to say, well, Curry's got a lot more support around him. Um, so maybe Harden is more valuable but I think right now uh, my order probably as I talk through this whole thing with you, Randy, is uh, Curry one, Harden two, uh, Marcus All three, and uh, and Lamarcus Aldridge four. Can 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 Melo get some MVP votes if they get more than nine wins? <laughs> well, we got to figure out uh, we got to figure out another acronym for for MVP if it stands for something else. Hey man, I'm trying. I'm trying to smile. I'm trying to, you know, trying to have some 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 positive thoughts about this Knicks team. But <clears throat> Jared, it, you know, got to feel the zen, man. Got to feel the zen. I, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel it now, but it's not like, you know, once June and July comes around and everything comes full circle. Now that's when, you know, the money right. comes in. We're paying you X amount of dollars. And, for and, and. And this is what I talked about with you and many other people when they hired Phil Jackson, is that not that you are being negative thinking that he won't get the job done, but in, in, in other circumstances, when you have a Jerry West, whether it be when he was at the Lakers, Memphis, or with Golden State, or when you had a Pat Riley helping, you know, building Miami, when you have a guy that you know is a, is a proven architect, not a proven winner as a coach, it's very different, you know, you're going to have to get creative on draft night, whether it be who you select, who you trade for, what other moves you make for, for future positioning, and what free agents you can attract. How about, you know, the international scouting? Uh, all of that is the big unknown. I'm not saying Phil Jackson can't do it. I'm not saying he won't do it. But there are, are other examples, past and present, in the NBA where the guy who is making those moves, you, you feel good about it because of his past reputation, and you know that whether he's been through something similar or you just have confidence in, in his talent evaluation, his connections, and his ability just to, you know, make the right move, that's not the case in New York. And maybe Phil gets it done. Maybe he proves me wrong. But I'm going to be a skeptic until he can show me that he could put together. You know, I, I was a big fan of the draft that he had this past year. But none of those guys have panned out yet. You know, we're talking about the young guys on the team and, and guys, you know, looking towards the future with, with Melo possibly shutting it down for the season at some point. But, you know, we're not seeing – we're not seeing Thanasis Antetokounmpo. Uh, we're barely seeing Clay Anthony early. You know, what what has he done? What is he going to do to change that mind where he could become like a Pat Riley or a Jerry West or, or, or somebody who's able to, or, you know, Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford in San Antonio, that when times are tough, you know you have faith in them because they can find creative ways to retain and acquire talent that works in the system you want to play. Well, it definitely remains to be seen. Hopefully he can do some, some magic this summer with the Knicks. But, um, Jared, 
Really appreciate it. Always appreciate you coming on short notice. Uh, do a great job with NBA TV and Series XM NBA Radio. And again, man, thank you. You got it, man. I love the show. Thank you very much for having me on, and enjoy a big Thursday night of hoops. All right, man. Thank you. You got it, man. I'll talk to you soon. Right. That was Jared Greenberg, NBA TV, Sirius XM, NBA Radio. You can hit him up on Twitter at NBA TV Jared. So great stuff. Lakers, Knicks, Cavaliers, Mello, Summertime, Free Agency, Marcus O, all that uh, were just compiled in our conversation with NBA TV sports anchor Jared Greenberg. So special thanks to my guy Arden Franklin, who came on the first half hour of Arden Sports Talk. You know, he's a big Cavalier fan, Colt fan. So if you missed out on that, and Jared Greenberg, you can recap this show anytime on blogtalkradio.com backslash Hits Radio Show. Also on hitsradioshow.com. Also on Stitcher. And you can download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. This was good. This is very, very insightful, very. You know, if you're a wide range of a, of a basketball fan, NBA fan, you got a lot. You got like you covered four, five, six teams um, in this in this interview. So, Cavs, Knicks, Lakers, Chicago, you know, free agency. You know, if you're a mellow if you're a mellow fan like me, you got reasons why he should have stayed or should have left, and you know, all that and all that is. Just great to hear, man. You know, there are some things I don't know when it comes to basketball and in the NBA, but it's great to hear the people who who work there, like like Jared Greenberg, just give us some insight for not only myself but you, the fans, and the listeners. So again, I've been your host, Randy Cruz. Follow me on Twitter at Cruz R eighty three C R U Z R eight three. Thanks again. Have a good night. The G-Bank is